Hey, chiropractors, welcome to Modern Chiropractic Mastery with your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing, business, and professional growth with some of the leading experts in the industry. Hey, docs, welcome to another episode of Modern Chiropractic Mastery. And today we are diving into all things patient adherence. It's a a topic near and dear to my heart and something that we're really focusing on, whether it's in our practice uh, or our members that we uh, consult, coach with, and work with consistently. And the person I always go to to dive into this particular topic is Dr. Jay Greenstein, and, and I have him on our show again today. I think it's the third time we've had him on, and we're really going to dive into his five key components of improving your patient adherence. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of great information here. And we dive into the nuances of what doctor centered patient adherence is versus, or, or or we could call it doctor centered patient retention, uh, versus a patient centered patient adherence. And we dive into a bunch of different great pieces of information. I think so often chiropractors reach out to me uh, because they think they have a marketing problem. And oftentimes they do. Like that's usually the case. But they have an underlying problem as well of patient adherence. And we really usually got to, we have to tackle that first before we're going to pour on good marketing. And today's episode really gives you a great framework of how you can do it and some of the things you can do uh, right away in your practice to to implement that. Okay. Uh, before I get to that interview, I, I want to thank you, the the listeners. Um, my my podcast producer, Becky, gave me a, a big long rundown of our stats, which is cool, and it's getting better uh, to track your stats as podcasting. It's always been a struggle, but over the previous quarter, we've averaged um, eight thousand two hundred forty one weekly listeners per podcast. So that's about thirty three thousand listens per month. And, and, and that's through Squarespace, Apple, Amazon Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Android. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, really, really enjoying that number. I think 33000 a month is, uh, for a very niched podcast, very exciting for us. And, and that's up from around 6200 per week uh, around springtime. So we're getting there. Uh, our most listened podcast uh, this quarter was Are You Ready for Tough Times? And that was a, a very popular one. And then uh, some of the other cool things here is the podcast has has listeners in every U.S. state except for Maine. Uh, I don't know what's going on in Maine. Um, and our highest numbers are in New York, Tennessee, Iowa, Ohio, California, Texas, and Michigan. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Canada carries 7.5% of our listeners. And we also have an international following in Australia, United Kingdom, Italy, South Africa, Germany, and the Netherlands. Uh, there's 19 other additional countries with some weekly listeners as well. So uh, it's cool to see we've got an international audience. It's cool to see we're growing. I appreciate you uh, for listening and uh, sharing this podcast to your colleagues. Uh, I'm hoping that um, they would get some great information out of there. And I know uh, this particular episode, you'll get a lot out of this as well. And, you know, just one last thing, you know, for our international uh, listeners, uh, we do have, you know, a handful of Canadian clients right now in our MCM mastery program and definitely in our chiropractic success Academy. 
Um, and I've had a couple that I've coached in Australia. Um, but if you are international, you can join MCM Mastery. A lot of the stuff we talk about is pertinent. You know, we don't worry so much about diving into all the nuances of the United States health insurance system that's state-based or some of that stuff, but our Canadian clients have found it applicable to their practice, the information we go over, uh, and you can apply that to however your payer model is or other nuances of your particular uh, country. So check us out at modernchiropracticmarketing.com if you want more information on MCM Mastery. All right, here is my episode with Dr. Jay Greenstein. All right. Welcome to the show, Jay. I really appreciate your time. Uh, I know we have you on periodically because you're my go-to for a lot of the data, uh, a lot of the patient experience, adherence to plans, like just really getting into team development and leadership. You were kind enough to speak at our mastermind this year. It was on, blast. Yeah, it was fun. And, and we had a ton of great information. And, and, and you know, your main topic was, was overall leadership and a lot of that we sometimes just pigeonhole ourselves into leading our team or maybe our families or, or whatever, but you got to lead your, your patients. Uh, and, and that's a, a big part of this. And when you do that appropriately, you're going to have uh, better patient adherence. And so many chiropractors are, are actually struggling with that. And so I really wanted to have you on today to discuss that topic specifically, patient adherence. Uh, what it means for the patient, uh, what it what it looks like to achieve it uh, seamlessly and, and ethically, <clears throat> and, and then we could dive in, into that a little bit. So, um, you've been on the show a few times. Everybody knows who you are. Um, you're, you know, we have an audience that's pretty similar. Tell us a little bit about what's going on currently in your life. I think they have a good background of what you do, uh, but I'd love to hear some of the updates. Yeah, um, things are great. Things are super busy. The, the chiropractic practices are doing really, really well. I, I love that you mentioned leadership um, at the beginning of the segment, because honestly, it's, it's something that I really enjoy doing, uh, as well as teaching, as well as learning about. So um, it's always an adventure when you're working with a great group of people trying to achieve big, hairy, audacious goals. And so, you know, working with my clinic directors, working with my ops team, my marketing teams on the clinic side is, is just a joy. I love these people and they do tremendous work to create great impact and they're doing really well and, uh, and, and doing well in a, in an environment that's not so easy right now with these current economic times. Um, we are in the midst of a large multi-year NIH study um, you may have heard of Amy Baxter. She was on Shark Tank. She turned down Mr. Wonderful, but she did not turn down us as the primary, the only clinical site for her study, which we're really excited about. Amy's a genius. Uh, she's a, for those of you that don't know her, she's a pediatric ER physician um, who has also won lots of different awards for being not just an outstanding clinician, but also an outstanding entrepreneur. Um, and so we are partnering with her to run this multi-year study on mechanical stimulation for the um, for the evaluation of its impact on acute, subacute, and chronic pain, as well as opioid utilization, which we all care about deeply. And then lastly, on the technology side of the business, you know, I've shared this with you, Kev, because, um, you know, we're close and you know that, you know, we build mobile apps for chiropractic practices and, and we've built our first product and we are in the midst of launching product number two. As, I, as we talked about just before we started recording, we're in alpha testing right now, which means essentially I've got key people on my team, which they're going through the bugs, right? Like they're checking every element to see like what bugs exist and how we fix them so that we can then launch beta 
where we've got our clinics as well as some other outside clinical sites that are going to test for us and give us feedback. And then we launch to the universe and see what happens. I love it. I love it. Always doing a lot. It's great. It's scary, but exciting all at the same time. Yeah, no, it's, it's cool, man. And, and, you know, and so, um, I, I want to dive into this topic, uh, patient adherence, you know, a lot of times, and I say this a lot, you know, words mean things, even though sometimes it's like playing verbal gymnastics <laughs> and in our profession, there's a lot of words that have negative connotation and, uh, somewhere along the line, patient retention kind of got that, um, mm -hmm. you know, we think of, I think a lot of people in our sphere of chiropractic, when they hear the word patient retention, they're thinking of you're trying to retain this person onto this, you know, long care plan type of thing that they don't really need. Right. And so a lot of chiropractors in let's call it the evidence informed evidence based world don't like it. Um, and, and I first actually heard you use the term patient adherence and it really resonated with me. Um, can, can you speak to patient adherence a little bit and why it's so important from the patient's perspective? Because obviously we know how patient retention could be good for the doctor's perspective, <laughs> but I want to frame this because it's important for the patient. And can you dive into that? Yeah, I'd love to. So there, most of the time, the term compliance is used that ties to whether or not a patient has adhered to their care plan um, or that they've followed the care plan that's been prescribed by the doctor. But what we know from the literature and, and what we're seeing from experience is that when there's shared decision making as it relates to treatment planning, that is true patient adherence. So when you have shared decision-making, that drives adherence. It drives the patient and the provider to be on the same page as it relates to the prescribed treatment plan that is evidence-informed, uh, but that also ties to patient values. I have a bit of a different opinion than some of my um, some of my colleagues. You know, like this retention thing, it's got a negative connotation. Like who here has ever shown that a patient who's under lifetime chiropractic care yep. is worse off than those who are not? Um, I, I, I've not seen that data. I've not seen that research. Um, I, I understand the, the challenges that we as a profession face as it relates to people just selling care plans for the sake of padding their own pockets. That's not okay. That's not appropriate. But if you've got a patient that wants lifetime chiropractic care, I'm a lifetime chiropractic patient. I get adjusted all the time. Yep. And so I, I, think, I think we need to reframe some of these extremes in our profession on both sides. Um, cause I'm kind of in the middle and open to what is good for the individual patient and what they want. Yep. So adherence ties directly to that. Yeah. And, and, you know, we had that conversation actually in our last mastermind when we were all in Sarasota yep. and we talked about optimal performance care is kind of that, you know, a person coming in, everybody raise their hand. Yeah. Like, I get it treated every, you know, once a week or, you know, a few times a month by our, our team here. And I love it. And for me, Obviously, it's it's nice having our own practice where we can keep up with it quickly, but it's part of my performance care, whether it's performance yep. in life, at work, at the gym, whatever. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm all for that as well. Um, I think where, it, you know, I'm starting to see more evidence-informed chiropractors understand how uh, important that can be for someone where they get kind of that routine care. Uh, I think where they start to get frustrated is obviously selling on this massive care package and, and trying to retain them into that uh, per se, because obviously they'll get a, a lot of fall-offs if you're trying to sell a year's worth of care for $10,000, right? Yeah, I, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with you. I think there's a difference between selling a care plan that is clinically inappropriate yep. versus 
providing education to a patient about what is clinically meaningful and relevant, how it ties to what their core values are. And then once they've completed their care for that episode, talking to them about the benefits of optimal performance care, maintenance care, supportive care, wellness care, whatever, whatever vernacular you want to use, to me, that's completely appropriate. And by the way, there's good evidence around maintenance care. There's not a lot of it, but the evidence that's, that's out there supports maintenance care, certainly for spine-related disorders. So I just want our profession on all sides uh, and in all areas and all dimensions to have an open mind yep. and, and not just fixate on one particular thing. Yeah. Oh, and it's because it's going too far the other direction half the time. Sure. Yeah, 100%. And, and, and it's a problem. And that's why I really was uh, intrigued. It, it might have been a, a few years ago now when you first sent me kind of that evidence guidelines for report of findings. And yeah, that was really eye opening for me because it, it laid out in nice tables and you could speak to it. Um, but it, it just gave me the information I needed to feel good about the treatment frequency and duration that I'm giving with all the causative factors and stuff. So uh, speak to that a little bit. Yeah, like um, I started, you know, clinical practice, started my own practice after working out in California for a year with the awesome Dr. Jan Corwin, um, came back to the DC region, started my practice. And all I knew was I was prescribing care plans that were what I was taught in school. And like, I didn't know why I was prescribing it, but that's what I was prescribing. Then the Mercy guidelines came out. It gave me an indication of what you know, what a good evidence-based treatment plan would look like. And I remember copying the chapter, um, you know, frequency and duration, I think it was either chapter seven or chapter eight. And since then, multiple clinical practice guidelines have come out and basically said the same things. Like these are appropriate um, treatment frequency and duration guidelines for patients with the conditions that we see. And then of course, Haas came out with his dosing studies, yep. talking about frequency of care and its impact on decrease in pain and decrease in disability. And I just took that information mm -hmm. and I put it into a form that I gave my patients when I was giving them the report of findings. And I said, look, here's your condition. You know, th this is what's producing your pain. These are the biomechanical and functional deficits that's causing this to happen. Mm -hmm. And this is the treatment frequency um, and duration that's recommended based on the evidence. And it's my experience that you will either require a little bit more of this or a little bit less based on your current condition and the comorbidities and confounding variables that exist in the literature that point us in that direction. And it was just so easy at that point to give a patient the report of findings and help them understand like, I'm not doing this because I want to buy a new Porsche. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this because this is what the evidence is saying. And plus my experience is best for you. Now, how does this fit into your lifestyle? How does this fit into what your goals are? And I think that's really step number one, Kev. It's like, we have to identify exactly what the patient wants first. What are their goals? And, you know, a lot of times patients will say, well, I just want to get out of pain. Yeah. Okay. Well, why? Like, what is the pain preventing you from doing? And once we get clarity around that, and we've kind of built a stronger connection with understanding them, giving them a report of findings that is contextual in nature, um, I think is, is, is really step number two. It's really important. And it's, it's been a game changer for our practice, quite honestly. All right, docs, here is a new opportunity for you from Darcy Sullivan of Propel. She is our SEO specialist in helping out many chiropractors uh, with their search engine optimization and making sure Google is finding you and getting you new patients. It's amazing how many new patients chiropractors can get and are getting when they do uh, the SEO right and a few other things. And Darcy is offering a free SEO workshop just for chiropractors, and you can sign up for that at bit.ly bit.ly slash propel mcm that is bit.ly bit.ly propel mcm 
Modern Chiropractic Marketing, right? And so check out that link. And we're going to have you go over five SEO secrets to owning the first page of Google uh, without buying ads. And Darcy's going to give that free workshop one hour to really help grow your practice and start churning new patients from the ever mighty Google, which is still king in the online marketing. So check that out at bit.ly slash propel MCM for the one hour free workshop. Hey, Doc, are you moving office spaces or you're a startup with your own new space or you're like me where you need renovations because it's starting to look a little worn after about 10 years like ours is? Um, Crossfields Chiropractic Office Design is here to elevate you wherever you're at, and they're going to help maximize your space and flow. They're going to really help attract and retain patients, and this is going to have a great ROI on your investment when you increase that patient experience. So check out Chiropractic office designs by Crossfields. And we have a special link for modern chiropractic marketing listeners. And that is www.chiropracticofficedesign.com slash Kevin dash Christie. And with that, you're going to have discounts. We're going to have direct links to a mega bundle of free resources. And you can check them out and you can get 15 of our most popular floor plans, five phase checklist for a startup office, five point designer checklist to evaluate your current office image. And there's 30% off on all online products when you go to www.chiropracticofficedesign.com slash Kevin dash Christie. Yeah, so we're going to outline five key ingredients to the patient outcomes. And, and, and obviously the patient goals is a, is a big one. And we oftentimes overlook that. We don't, we don't ask them that question during maybe a history consultation or exams, we, we don't talk about it in our report of findings, and it's just kind of glossed over. And we focus on the diagnosis. Uh, obviously, that's a big part of it. But you really want to get to the to root of what those patient goals are. Um, I want to, I, before we get into the other ones, I want to backtrack just a little bit sure. with the patient adherence is going to improve patient outcomes. And, and that's where uh, you mentioned that early, and it's, and it's really important. And, and that's where some of those goals are going to lay into that patient outcomes, right? So yeah, not only are you getting rid of that knee pain, but if you, if that person said to you, they want to run a marathon in a year, that's part of the outcome that you have to take into consideration, right? That is so true. That's a great point. And, and the care plan is different for somebody who wants to be able to walk up steps versus wanting to run a marathon. And that would dictate, you know, the care that you're delivering or recommending for that patient. So that's, that's an excellent point. I think having meaningful conversations with your patients mm -hmm. and connecting with them. What do you know about them? This is, this is a Joey Colemanism. If you know, Joey Coleman, you set me up you, with, you, you set me up with him and he was on my podcast. I appreciate that. He's the man. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's who is your customer? What do you know about them? And how do you create a personal and emotional connection with them? And when we do that, especially in that first visit, and we really understand why in the spirit of Simon Sinek, why they're there, Yep. Um, it just helps us deliver a better experience and outcome for them because now our treatment planning makes sense and they understand why we're making the recommendations that we're making. And, and I love what you said about adherence and, and outcomes. Mm -hmm. I, I remember listening to your podcast with, with Brett Winchester yeah. and he was telling the story about, you know, he's treat patients, he treat them four or six times, they're out of pain and they would just go away and you'd see him in Walmart like a year later, be like, Hey Joe, how you doing? 
And Joe's like, oh, I'm doing good, man. I had surgery and, you know, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing okay, but still got this issue. And he's like, but I thought you were doing better. You were out of pain. You know, when I saw you last, he's like, yeah, but the pain came back. And, and he went on to tell the story. I'm not telling it nearly as well as Brett and Brett, if you're listening, if I bastardize this, I'm sorry. Yeah, but right. the point, the point is, is that when I think that Brett was making, which, you know, I, I think is critical is that if we're treating patients just around their symptoms, Mm -hmm. we're doing them a disservice. We've yep. got to get them functionally well. And that doesn't happen. And typically it doesn't happen in three or six visits. Yep. And, and we can't be afraid to go there with our patient and be like, look, I want you functioning well. So your problem doesn't return. Otherwise it returns. And they say, Dr. J sucks. Dr. Kev sucks. Chiropractic doesn't work. I don't believe in chiropractic. And it perpetuates that belief, which is just not true. Yeah. And I think this is like the, uh, a huge, massive blind spot in our evidence-informed world here is that like on one hand, and I've mentioned it in, in even probably during that podcast where it's like on one hand, we got all these movement-based, function-based, uh, you know, uh, correction-based chiropractors that are like wanting to improve their resilience, all these things. And then they use pain as the only guide of, oh, after three visits, your, your pain's gone, you're better. But the outcome, like what you're saying and what Brett mentioned was that the, if it comes back in a few months, then you didn't have a good outcome. Exactly. And, and if you short sighted it on a few visits, cause the pain went away, but you didn't fix the underlying dysfunction, then that's really a, 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 not a good outcome. And that is a byproduct of, I mean, it's almost, it's kind of crazy, right? So sometimes it's an, a patient adherence problem. Like it, what I just mentioned is not a patient adherence problem because you let them go after three visits. Right, right. Right. And so sometimes you're short selling them right out of the gates. Sometimes you're putting them on this treatment plan for a good amount, but then they get better if you visit and you don't have the cojones to look them in the eye and, and, and communicate with them and say, okay, now we can graduate to phase two, which is blah, 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 or whatever. And now we can have fun with the rehab. We can get, I can do some treatments that I couldn't do before because you were in pain. There's yeah. always that next level of care that's actually indicated for that person that's now into out of pain, but not fully, let's call it recovered, right? Yeah. And, and that's where I get I get frustrated because the blind spots there in our in our profession. And sometimes like you just mentioned with the story of Brett, you don't even know the outcome was a fail because they just don't come back to your office. That's right. That's right. And that's the scariest thing in the world for me. And, you know, I, I talk to our team about it all the time. And, you know, if, if we're just in the pain control business, then we should be just sending them to Walgreens because it's a lot less expensive and a lot less time consuming for the patient. So yeah. there is a balance, right? But at the end of the day, long-term outcomes are driven by functional improvement, true functional improvement. And um, that, that at least for our practices is the goal. Yep. And I think you can get really good at communicating that with your patients, right? When you say, okay, I know your goal is, is to get out of pain. It's to run that marathon in a year, but I'm sure it's also, you don't want this to come back in, you know, three months, right? And she's yeah. going to say yes. And then that's where you can kind of roll into your, your treatment plan and say, okay, based on your goals, and this not coming back, you know, we're going to have a treatment plan of X, Y, Z, you know, and you kind of get into that and you're just leveling with them and it's just good communication. Yeah. I think leveling with them is the key point there. It's about being honest and transparent and look like at the end of the day, sometimes our patients give us softballs that we can hit home runs with like, yeah. Oh, so how many times have you had back pain? I've had it six times. <laughs> have you been to the chiropractor before? Yeah. I went I get a little bit there, a little bit there. Like, yep. so like, 
uh, Mary, honestly, do you really want to solve this problem once and for all? Like mm -hmm. we have two types of patients in our practices. We have the, those that just want symptom relief and we have those who want to get rid of this problem for good. Which one are you? Yep. Which one are you? Yep. And like most of the time they're going to say, I'm the one who wants to get rid of it for good. Okay, this is what it's going to take. But you've got to be able to like listen to the history, ask the right questions of the patient and be able to help them understand what it takes to ensure their problem doesn't return. And we know from the literature, one of the most accurate predictors of any future injury is past injury. Yep. And it's because patients and providers stop trying the problem, treating the problem when the symptoms go away. And we need to break that cycle. I, I agree. And so, okay, that's kind of the big hitter there as far as goals. I think we, we, we address that pretty well. Uh, what's a second component of optimal patient adherence? Yeah, I mean, we touched on it earlier, and I think it's it's the evidence-based report of findings. It's mm -hmm. being able to show people, hey, this is what the science says about getting the best possible outcome. Yeah. It's been our experience that patients who follow this course of care get better. And we literally have, and you've seen this, Gab, like we have it, we have graphs and charts on this report of findings sheet, plus the the factors that drive an extended uh, course of care due to comorbidities or patients not adhering to care plans. You've got information that's contextual for the patient that helps them understand this is what you need to do to get a great outcome. And if you don't do this, it's probably going to take you longer to get better. Mm -hmm. So sitting down with them and, and handing them this sheet and explaining it to them has been a game changer for us. And we started doing this probably 12 years ago or so, 15 years ago. And we haven't, we've modified the sheet here and there, but we still use the same basic sheet every single day. Perfect. Yeah. And, and um, I'm going to put you on the spot, but I'm going to put it in the intro. So if you don't know it offhand, cause I know they can access it from your, from your site, the actual guidelines. Um, and so if you don't know it off the top of your head, no worries. I'm going to put it in the intro and I'll get it from you after the fact. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. If you just Google Kaizenovate evidence-based report of findings, it, it'll it'll send you to the link. Perfect. I was even able to Google uh, my buddy's wedding registration for a gift. Yeah, I was I like, man, you can really Google everything. It's <laughs> awesome, right? I just typed in his name and it popped up. I was like, that was great. So I've done right. that. I've done that. It's a beautiful thing. Perfect. What's next in our, our five uh, lists of patient adherence? So I think the next part of this is setting patient expectations around what it's going to take and getting a commitment from them. And we do that by scheduling out our patients at the beginning of care for their entire course of treatment. Now, can the course of treatment change? Of course it can. What do I like to do? And when I say I like to do it, this is what I used to do. I don't see patients anymore, but what, what I did like doing is always surprising the patient that we could get them um, into treatment withdrawal withdrawal sooner rather than later. So we will schedule out according to the evidence based on their condition, comorbidities, et cetera. And we do it all at once. You know, this is your treatment plan. Um, these are the days and, and times that were available. And we have them fill out the same scheduling sheet form at the bottom, fill out the times they want to come in. We hand that to our CA and the CA just puts that into our electronic health record and it's done. We print out a schedule for them to take home and it's done. Mm -hmm. We don't go through this rigmarole of like scheduling each visit at a time or two weeks at a time, people who have been in practice long enough, which I would argue is probably no, I mean, could even be out of school. Like you generally know what a patient needs to get better. Mm -hmm. And so why not set the expectation, have the patient make it a priority on their schedule because yep. we know how challenging schedules can be. They get it in their schedule in advance ahead of time. So they make it a priority. So they make their visits and get a great outcome. So number three is definitely scheduling out the patient at the beginning of care. Again, if they're coming in three times a week and we can reduce them faster because they're getting better and functionally improved, 
that's that's a beautiful thing. We've just exceeded their expectations. Yeah. Now they love us even more. And I always told my team this, and it will never change. It is never about a certain number of visits, ever, ever. It's only about making sure we can get the patient as as get the patient better, functionally better, as fast as humanly possible. And that's really the goal. Perfect. Awesome. And what's number four? The next one is re-exam. I mean, doing a re-exam so that you can identify how they've made improvements and where you still need to work, mm -hmm. especially as it relates to, at least for us, our rehab progressions and our, our manual therapies, our adjustments, any changes that we need to make there. Re-exams are eye-opening for patients and providers alike. Mm -hmm. So again, making sure that we're, we're blocking out that time. And again, when we're scheduling out patients in advance, the re-exam at the eighth visit is just part of that process. The patient knows eighth visit, I'm getting a re-exam. Um, sometimes it's not even paid for by the insurance. Sometimes it's limited by 30 days, but we don't care. Yep. We're just going to do the re-exam, do what we need to do and, and evaluate the patient to see if they're making progress. Mm -hmm. And so that's a great way again, to assess, you know, how they're progressing as well as identify those areas that still need to be worked on for the patient. So they finish and become a doctor discharge instead of a self-discharge. Yeah. And it's a great opportunity to have that communication around what the goals are. It's, you know, it's almost like another report of findings in a sense. Absolutely. Know? It's a great so. point. Absolutely. It's about reflecting back on their goals and how they're doing. We, we tend to do that like a lot more frequently. Like when patients come in, we're getting their pain scores, but we're also asking them about their progress towards their goals. Um, and we've done some human centered design studies in our clinics and talked to our patients and, and that's something that's really important to them. It matters that we're connected to what their goals are, yep. not just getting out of pain, but what they're really trying to accomplish. Perfect. I love it. And last, but definitely not least. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm biased about this, but game, <laughs> gamification and the use of technology yep. um, has been a, a huge uh, part of what I believe the future of uh, healthcare delivery is. And certainly in our clinics, you know, we did it first. We, we built our own custom mobile app we built in a rewards program that was OIG compliant, and we had no idea what the results were going to be. Um, but we thought, like, if we can, if we can gamify the experience, engage our patients in ways that they're not currently being engaged with, at least at, in the, in the healthcare system. Certainly, they go to Starbucks, they get points. They fly on airlines, they get points. They go to hotels, they get points. What would happen if we gave them points by just being a good patient? Yeah. And you know, we believe that our hypothesis was that people like free stuff. Mm -hmm. So if we gamify the experience, could we drive better care plan adherence? And, and what we learned, and we published this study in JMIR, and if you just, if you just go to PubMed, you can find it. But we found that um, for patients who downloaded the app, we improved care plan adherence by 36% in the total cohort. Mm -hmm. But this was a really interesting thing that happened, um, Kev. I, I spoke to my friend, Brian Coleman, who's at Yale. Mm -hmm. He actually published the first study on the use of artificial intelligence and treatment planning in the chiropractic field. Yep. It's a really cool study and he's a brilliant guy. And so when I was sharing the initial data with him, he's like, that's great, Jay, but you know, people who download the app are probably going to be more engaged anyway. So you would expect they'd have better results. What does it look like if people downloaded the app versus didn't download the app in the self-discharge cohort? Because let's, I mean, we, we, we still have self-discharges. It still happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm as hard as we work at it, we still have it. Um, so I was like, all right, we'll go back and we'll look at that data. And we did. And what we found is that people who were in the self-discharge cohort who downloaded the app came in 70% more than those who did not download the app. So even though they were less engaged yeah. patients, the gamification at least kept them adherent to their treatment plan longer. Did they self-discharge still? Yes, they did. Mm -hmm. um, but at least we knew that 
using gamification could change the behavior of a patient when they were more likely to be less adherent. And we've taken that, we've learned from that, and now we're in the process of, of 2.0. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, and obviously there's the, the gamification side of it. I think overall, you know, one of the things that, you know, mentioned Joey Coleman and, and I had him on the podcast to talk about, you know, obviously the, the patient experience or in his book, he talks a lot about customers, but yep. and, and one of the things that you'll find is when you start to provide a really good patient experience, that will also inherently improve the adherence of that patient as well. And, and what I found is by having an app that is, is designed for our clinic, cause we use your app and it's an, it's impressive for them. Like, Oh, wow. You got, got your, you own, got your app. own app. Like, right. Yes, we do. Matter, <laughs> matter of fact. <laughs> it's so they're, they're like, wow. Okay. There, and I even had a, uh, I I'm actually treating patients this week, Jay, cause uh, Dr. Jesse's on paternity leave. And I was treating one of my old time patients as CFO and, we were talking about different uh, technologies and different things out there. And he's like, Hey, it seems like you guys are always up, up to speed on technology. Has that been something that you've always put a lot into? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, I think it's great. Cause you know, they don't, they go to a lot of different types of doctors and, and they don't get it yep. uh, that type of level of, of technology, but they, they use our, they use our app. I'm going to, I'm going to call it my app, Jay. It's your, it is your app now. It's our app. <laughs> uh, they use it for scheduling online, uh, yep. which is great. They use it for their exercises that we, we give them. And so now not only is that a better experience, but what happens when a patient has an easier access to their at-home exercises, yep. Outcome, outcomes go up as we know, yep. uh, they have it for the rewards, which, which you were mentioning. And then there's other things on there that they like. And, and for us, we've noticed those, those four in particular has just like been really nice. And so it's done a good job for us to be very clinically efficient, get their at-home exercise program going, they can schedule online, and then obviously they're rewarded for adhering to their plan. So it works in multiple ways, and, and I appreciate that about it. Yeah, it has been a, a blast to build for customers like you and, and our other customers and to get the feedback that we've gotten. And, and what you mentioned, I think, is really important um, as it relates to having access to the home exercise plan and being able to schedule through the app that is branded to your practice. Because what we've learned from large consulting companies like McKinsey and Company and Proficient, these hundred million billion dollar consulting companies is that post-COVID, consumers want convenience mm -hmm. and they want their 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 um their companies that they engage with to provide them with a more seamless digital and technological experience. Yep. And it and and we in chiropractic, we've been technology laggards. Mm -hmm. And so what we are doing as a company is trying to to um to fix that yep. and help chiropractors really understand that the future of healthcare is a combination of both in clinic brick and mortar and the digital health experience. And we will continue to work our asses off um, so that we can provide great experiences for our customers, patients, and of course our customers themselves. Perfect. You know, and I obviously some consider me the marketing guy and and I like that. That's fine. Uh, but a lot of times when I dive into a, a chiropractor's practice, I, I find the patient adherence is the big domino and, and yeah. I won't even really layer on much marketing until that's fixed. And so many people try to go for the sexy, shiny, you know, marketing, give me 20 new patients type of thing. And, and that's fine. Uh, but if you have that patient adherence problem, which a lot of people do, uh, it's really just not worth going down the marketing route just yet. Uh, it's, it's, it's just not the right way you would build your practice. And so 
I believe, uh, you know, it's it, in my mindset has changed over that over the last five or six years. Right. And so uh, I definitely feel strongly about that for many reasons. And I think there is ways you need to improve your communication, your, your team's trainings, right? Like there's a lot of that that needs to be done. Uh, but offering them a technology that's going to make their life uh, better and easier is a big step towards that. So I, I commend you on your, uh, your development of this and obviously the growth of it. And it's exciting to, to be a part of it. Thanks, brother. Appreciate that. So if anybody's interested in, in checking it out, how can they find it? Yeah, so we've actually, um, we've got some, some really cool offers for your tribe, brother. Um, yep. All they need to do is go to Kaizenovate, K-A-I-Z-E-N. O-V-A-T-E, again, Kaizenovate, K-A-I-Z-E-N-O-V-A-T-E.com forward slash M-C-M as in Modern Chiropractic Mastery. And they can um, they can find all the information they need right then and there. Perfect. And I'll get that in the show notes and we'll get everything out. Um, I just say, just take a look at it for my audience to, you know, really take this, the whole, the whole idea of patient adherence seriously take all five of what jay laid out very seriously and look at how you can implement technology to to really put you in the forefront in your community because i i almost assure you uh people in your community are not doing it right <laughs> yeah i think you can see that with all these chiropractic ad agencies out there that are trying to sell you on new patient acquisition you know that there is a problem where providers are needing more new patients to fill their schedule, what they really need to be doing is focusing on not losing patients out the back door. Exactly. And so I, uh, I agree a hundred percent. And so thank you for your time today, Jay. Thanks brother. Great to see you again, man. That is it for this week's episode. But before you leave, check us out at www.modernchiropracticmarketing.com for all kinds of free resources such as blogs and the podcast episodes. We've got online courses. You can check out the Chiropractic Success Academy there, which is an amazing online coaching system for you at a very affordable monthly rate. Uh, there's a free online course on the modernchiropracticmarketing.com website, so check that out. If you're interested in some coaching, we can do that as well. We have all kinds of resources for you there, and we would also truly appreciate if you could rate and review this podcast if you're getting valuable information out of it. I can't thank you enough, and we'll see you next week.